Hello and welcome to Mini Business Adventures. We lift the lid in the UK's businesses because we believe that the best advice comes from the owners and entrepreneurs who have been there, done that and live to tell the tale. I'm Gordon Rutherford from AXA Business Insurance and today I'm going to be talking about fear. It's something I've certainly felt those first days after I'd given up a safe corporate job to found my own management consultancy spring to mind. It took a lot of willpower to pick up the phone and make the first sales call. But if you're going to become your own boss or push forward in life, you've got to conquer that fear. Today I'm joined by Andrea Brown and Simon Alterator. Andrea worked in the car industry, then retrained as a journalist before joining my team at AXA Business Insurance as a copywriter. While Simon has worked in both furniture design and the manufacture of furniture, but is currently working as a graphic designer at Oliver Agency. So, Andrea, good morning. I'd like you to kick off by explaining the radical change in direction that you took in your career. Good morning, Gordon. Um, I I had um, a reasonably successful um, business buying and selling um, rare and vintage cars and did that for 15, 18 years um, and then thought um, I'd do what I'd wanted to set out to do when I was at school. I wanted to be a journalist and my father was a doctor and he said, no, don't be ridiculous. You know, you'll just be a tea girl. Women don't go into journalism. And um, told me to go and do something sensible at work in a bank. Um, and um, I decided in my mid-30s to go back to school and took a degree in journalism. And um, haven't looked back. Okay. Let's return to that in a moment. But Simon, before we do, tell us about the radical change in direction that you made. Well, uh, radical? Do I think of myself as radical? <laughs> um, uh, so I've I've moved around uh, a fair bit, both geographically and in terms of career. Um, so I've I've worked mainly in design. I worked as a uh, as a as a programmer for a while, a web developer. Uh, I've I've worked doing mainly branding, uh, of as well as other other kind of more illustrative types of graphic design. I've worked as a as a furniture maker, um, and building building shop fitting displays and and that sort of thing, uh, as well as fine furniture. Uh, and and now coming full circle back to back to graphic design um, as a as a multidisciplinary digital creative at the moment. Those those changes uh, focusing on the on the graphic design stuff have been both as as freelancer and as in house um, and agencies as well, which are all all fairly different. They they may seem like flavors of the same thing, but they they do have uh, pretty pretty substantial differences. Um, and yeah, it's it's been a it's been a windy road of the of the best kind. Thank you, Simon. Um, and coming back to yourself, Andrea, that was a significant change in direction that you took. Uh, and I can understand that um, it's it's not uncommon for people to uh, avoid following a certain path because uh, it's not what their parents think would be a good idea. Uh, so I imagine that transition was, was uh, really fraught with fear. Um, how did you overcome that? I, I guess um, it's the old face your fears anyway. Um, I was lucky to have um, you know a, a good solid support network behind me, a good strong family. 
and who supported my decision to go um, back and, and, and learn. Um, but the the whole um, that change of career, um, it, it, um, trying to get your first job, trying to get your your first, um, in, in, trying to break into the newspaper industry is it was it was pretty scary. Um, I was the oldest cub reporter on the block, which uh, uh, was a bit challenging. But then I realised that, that it's, it's quite formulaic, and if you just um, if you have a if you have faith in yourself, then just as Simon said earlier, don't stop. Just keep just keep playing ahead. Just have faith. Thanks, Andrea. And um, Simon, you spoke about your transition, and you made it sound as though it was perfectly natural, and it wasn't, uh, you know, such a dramatic transition. Um, but was fear part of it at all? Uh, absolutely, but I think uh, it's. Fear is is a natural natural part of of this stuff, uh, and I think it goes hand in hand with excitement. So for me, it's always been about the balance between intimidation and excitement, uh, and the being intimidated by a new position does does have a component of fear to it. Uh, but you've got to you've got to let the excitement uh, be a bigger force. You know, it's it's that whole. Um, we each have two wolves inside us sort of thing and the one that wins is the one you feed. So uh, you've got to make sure to feed the excitement uh, more more than you do the intimidation. And, I mean, that's a really good point and I can relate to that. And um, coming back to yourself, Andrea, at what point uh, did exhilaration in terms of what you were achieving in your new uh, direction take over from the fear? Um, I think... I, I I realized that I, I was good at what I was doing and whereas I you know previously been told that, that it wasn't something I should go into and then I realized that you know I actually enjoyed it um I started off um working for that noble um rag the the Falkirk Herald um and I realized there was quite a deep cynicism my health an unhealthy cynicism about journalists that I didn't particularly like but um uh I enjoyed the atmosphere I enjoyed um the, the the thrill of you know having the phone ring and going out and picking up a story it's it, it's just it was really exciting it was completely different from um my, my previous role uh, um which was quite sedentary and um uh very sales focused and this was this was just different and there was something new every day in in, in journalism it's just you you could be you're writing about a lost puppy one day and then you're you're at some huge massive thing that's going on no, that's that's what I enjoyed about. It. Thank you. Um, if we move on, one of the one of the stats that um, we have researched recently is that we estimate that there are seven million people currently planning to go freelance or start a business in the UK right now, uh, which would more than double the self-employed population. Um, but when we ask people what the biggest barrier to them. Uh, making the final step and becoming self-employed or going out on their own. It's not finance, it's not skills, it's not a lack of faith in their idea or, or the market. It, it generally is self-belief. It's, it's that inner fear that's holding people back from making the final step. Um, in your case, Simon, I know that you uh, freelanced. Where did the self-belief come from or how did you find it? Uh, look, it's. I think... That is absolutely uh, right to be flagged as one of the one of the bigger challenges, um, especially 
when uh, I mean, I can only sort of uh, come to this as, as someone who's in the creative industries, but I think it's uh, the the whole industry is rife with the with the whole tall poppy syndrome thing, where where um, if anyone tells you that you're you're good enough, your first reaction is to is to go, oh, well, you know, no, I don't necessarily agree with that, um, and I catch myself doing it all the time, uh, even and and being being self employed or not, it's uh, it's it's there, so. Um, yeah, I think uh, f- for me, it's uh, it's been a case of acknowledging it, noting it, and then telling yourself you're being an idiot, um, essentially, and to and pushing through it. Um, I, I'm sure there's a a more intellectual way to put that, or maybe even a, a healthier way to do it. But um, that's been that's been my experience of it is um, to to forge ahead anyway, um, to to know it's there and to know that it maybe is a little bit unreasonable um but yeah it doesn't it doesn't get any easier no matter how many times you do it successfully if i had to cut out again and go back to freelance tomorrow i'd, I'd still feel exactly the same way of can i do this um even though i've done it successfully before okay yeah thanks um andrea something you touched on previously was the uh the kind of support you get from others round about you, friends and family. Um, how important is that support network? And did you find that you found a support network in unexpected places? Surprising places was um, a, a tutor, um, and uh, he was a bit brusque. He was an, he was an old, retired journalist, and um, he, he, he was a strange sort but um, he he just he he was great and gave me loads of tips and just you know like like Simon's saying just encouraged me to to, to follow my dream and, and and go for it. Excellent. And would you say that um, that's the number one tip that you would give to people thinking of going out on their own uh, and starting their own business to 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 find that support network or to establish it? Yeah, I think networking is quite important as well. Um, go out uh, as much as you can to as many networking um, um, uh, sessions you can go to, and just you know put yourself out there, um, meet people. Um, once you've met them, invite them out for coffee, build up a relationship with them, and and it's it's just it's, it's just build up your wee, your wee book. Okay, thanks, Andrea. Um, Simon, one of the things that, that we also find when, when we do our surveys is that self-employed people tell us that they are less stressed than everyone else, uh, which seems contradictory to, to what we're talking about here. Um, but it seems that they just uh, have this ability to build resilience. Um, do you think self-employed people do feel uh, more stress resilient as a result of what they do? I think, it's, I think you're subject to different kinds of stress. Uh, at least that's you know once again uh, completely my own experience here, and um, I say this with the full acknowledgement that uh, your mileage may vary. But uh, I, I know for me, I was I was more relaxed about things like um, you know I, if if a client was having having issues, uh, something wasn't going to plan. That was that was much easier for me to to let go of uh, as a self employed person, uh, but. I was I was subject to other stresses, um, so things like I'd get super frustrated at, at bureaucracy. I'd find myself, uh, you know, reading reading documents and, um, you know, swearing under my breath at that the screen, uh, going, "Why the hell do I need to do this?" Um, and 
it's uh, yeah, it's just I think it's just a different different kind of stress. It's maybe a maybe a slightly lower impact um, sort of stress, uh, but I think um, in in the modern age, um, when even in office jobs, you know, it's it's not as if uh, we we sort of switch off at five pm anyway a lot of the time. So I think um, you you carry your stress home with you whether or not. Um, you are employed in an office or self-employed, um, and uh, in some ways, it's useful to have that division. Where if you're if you're working from home, um, as as a self-employed person, you may not be able to separate the work and the uh, and the the work and the and the home life um, as much, and that balance might be different, but. Um, you, you also don't have as much of that experience of, of coming home and falling down on the couch and being just dead tired and, and, you know, feeling like you need a stiff drink to, to recover from the day. Um, I think you're right. But my experience of when, when I started working for newspapers and then decided that that print journalism wasn't for me and going freelance meant I could pick and choose when I worked and who I worked for. Totally. Um, that was brilliant, and I, I do miss I do miss, <laughs> I miss that a lot. Yeah, I can imagine. Um, and I think it, on on the theme of fear, uh, probably the most uh, the thing that's most likely to induce fear among self-employed people uh, is not having a regular salary. Uh, how did you guys feel about that? I, I was definitely subject to the whole feast and famine thing. Um, mostly, I, I was lucky enough that the work, uh, the the amount of work was was never the issue for me. But it was more a case of can I be bothered invoicing this massive stack of invoices I need to get through. Um, so, you know, there were there were times where um, th- that stuff sort of ended up falling by the wayside, and suddenly the bank account was looking very very grim. Um, and yeah, I mean, once again, we're, you know, we're talking about th- that kind of uh, that different stress, I suppose. Um, it's th- there's always more money to be earned, though. So I, I always try to you know, keep that in mind, um, and and that can be for for lots of different reasons. You know, jobs jobs are inevitably going to go south from time to time. Um, you're going to have people who just refuse to refuse to pay or. Um, you know they've they've hit hard times and decide that that means it's your problem. Uh, there's there's lots of reasons where where things can can go sour and and suddenly uh, income that you you may have been bargaining on on having uh, suddenly isn't there. Um, but there there are going to be there is always going to be that other time where you know six invoices get paid at once and you're and you're mm-hmm. strutting around the house. Um, fist pumping left, right, and centre. <laughs> and I think I think you're right. And I, you know, again, if I think of my own experience, managing cash flow uh, is is you know absolutely critical for anyone starting out in business because there is a lot of feast and famine. Um, what kind of tips would you have for people who are starting out to effectively manage their cash flow or? Uh, dealing with late payments or getting their pricing right at the start? Set, set your pricing right from day one and don't waver on it. And how how do you know? Because, again, if I think of my experience, the, the first time you get a job and, and you're freelancing or you're you, you know self-employed, you're never quite sure how to pitch 
the the price. So how how do you how do you do that? How do you get around that? I just I did what my dad told me to do, which was uh, think of what you think of what you need, and then double it, and then you'll get what you want. <laughs> <laughs> That's interesting advice. <laughs> I, I tend to agree. I think I think it. Uh, I think that's pretty much what you do need to do. You always, you always want to be. Um, you don't want to race to the bottom. No, exactly. Just... Yeah, and if you are planning on providing a a, a premium service, uh, for example, you want to be able to spend the time doing a good job. You've got to acknowledge at some point that if you're if there's not enough money to do it, then you're going to be compromising quality. Um, and and pitching things on that basis is is always good as well. You just you simply ask, you know, how how good or bad do you want this to be? Here's the good price. Here's the bad price. Um, and you know, asking for discounts is always a uh, always a sign of maybe a a client that isn't isn't worth your time. Mm-hmm. Um, that's a hard thing to learn, I think. Uh, when when someone, especially when you are starting out, and someone says, "Oh, can you do it for X? Mm-hmm. You know, half the price that you've you've quoted." Um, there's other clients out there. But I guess staying in the topic of fear, one of the things you fear is that um, if you say no and you walk away from a piece of work, you might never find another piece of work. It might be the only show in town. How do you overcome that fear and avoid selling yourself short? I think we're drifting into territory again there where it doesn't get any easier. Um, I, I, I don't think... Um, I, t- I tend to think that no matter how big you got, that would always be that would always be something that you have to have to manage. Um, but uh, I suppose there's a there's a level of um, a level of confidence required there that there will be more, um, and it may even be a time will tell sort of thing. You you know the first couple times you do it, it might be you might be absolutely paralytic. Um, but the, the, if the alternative is to have a client from hell, um, then I know which of the two I'd rather pick. Absolutely. When you were starting out uh, in, in self-employment or freelancing, what was your worst case scenario that went through your head, Andrea? Um, being given a brief and getting it categorically wrong. And did that happen? It hasn't happened yet. Not yet? No. <laughs> Still time. Thank you. And Simon? I think for me it was uh, reputation was the thing that mattered to me most that that something would go categorically wrong and um, and that no one would want to work with me again because I'd um, you know I'd ruin someone's business as a result of a of a poor decision um, or a you know a thoughtless decision. Okay, and and how do you overcome that? I don't think there's an easy answer to that. Um, you know, you've you've got to. Um, grab the bull by the horns uh, with, with this sort of stuff. Um, there might be an opportunity there to uh, talk about public indemnity insurance, <clears throat> um, but it's uh, yeah. I think you've just you've got to um, you know bring to bear that level of, of being deliberate and um, and making sure that you do think through decisions and um, reconfigure your thinking so that. These, these things become opportunities. Um, so every opportunity where you could uh, take a hit to your reputation because you've got some big high-profile client and uh, if you get it wrong, you're going to suffer greatly, 
is also an opportunity for for a significant amount of glory if you get it right. So it's um, I think you if you reconfigure your thinking to make it an opportunity more so than a than a liability. I think in my own experience, uh, the more you step out of your comfort zone, the more comfortable you are dealing with fear and and you know unusual situations. Uh, so for each of you, uh, starting with yourself, Simon, any plans to step outside your comfort zone in the near future? Every day. Um, you know, there's there's always opportunities to uh, do things you haven't done before, um, to, to step outside the boundaries, uh, whether that's a case of... Um, you know, taking on a piece of work where you, where it requires skills that are outside your existing skill set, um, and and you use that discomfort as an opportunity to grow. Um, I mean, I try I try to do that as often as possible, um, mainly through stepping into different disciplines where I may not necessarily have formal qualifications. Um, so yeah, I, th- I think that stuff is uncomfortable and it's um, it's super valuable as well. Thank you, Simon. And Andrea, plans to step outside your comfort zone? I've been looking at coding, and I think I find that really, really exciting and interesting, and I think that's something that I might try next. So we can look forward to you finding work as an IT developer sometime in the near future. Could be. Fantastic. Thank you to Andrea and Simon for sharing their stories with us today. Search AXA Business Guardian Angel for more real-life stories, business advice and practical guides. And if you enjoyed this episode, don't forget to subscribe.